Film Conversations with Andrew and Phil. I am your co-host, Phil. And just now, looking at the title for this film, it made me think of that old Soul Asylum song from my childhood, Without a Trace. Oh, man. Where he keeps singing, Eve Without a Trace. That's a without a trace. deep Soul Asylum cut. Yeah, it's not like a Runaway Train or Black runaway Gold. Runaway Train never coming back. back. Wrong way on a one-way one way track. <laughs> uh, yeah. Those lyrics could apply to this film. You remember the video for that song? Yeah, it was like a bunch of missing bikes. posters. Wait, what did, what did you say it was? Stolen Maybe bikes? There's two videos, but one of them is just a collection of bicycles. It's a it's like an, a humorous, ironic video about how bikes get stolen a lot. Really? Wow. Yeah, and it's like, it was like it was like it was like a weird kind of straddling the line between irony and and sincerity. Like it was just a <laughs> shot of different bikes trying to say that the song "Runaway Train" is about stolen bicycles. The video that I remember very distinctly. Showed a bunch of missing posters for children who had gone missing. Oh, man. I remember that on MTV because, of course, we didn't have YouTube back in that day. Well, we have YouTube now and we can Google it. Oh, oh, here we go. Well, while you're Googling that, <laughs> I'm Andrew. I'm your other co-host. And uh, listeners of the show know that one of my bailiwicks is English English actors or Australian or New Zealand or South African actors not doing good American accents. Thomason Harcourt McKenzie, star of this film, to my surprise, is from New Zealand. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, But has a flawless American accent. I don't know if she was raised in America or not, so that's maybe, (laughs) maybe I need to do more research. But... She, uh, she's great in this film. Really great. Yeah. Well, don't tip your hand, man. Oh, oop. Um, Gave it away. Well, the film is Leave No Trace, as we have alluded to. I'm yeah. trying to find this Soul Asylum video and thinking I've lost my marbles. <laughs> but I could have sworn that there's a bicycle. Somebody rides off on a bicycle maybe at the end. Are you sure that's not for a different Soul Asylum song? What else could it be? I don't know. They had like one or two other. Yeah, they had Black Gold. I remember that one. Yeah. Um, Maybe but it, it was no, Black it was, Gold. It was, there was some kind of MTV video. Maybe it was a parody of Runaway Train, actually. <laughs> you know? That would be amazing if it was. Did you find was... a Runaway Train video that was just wanted poster or uh, well, missing posters? I found, I looked up the one that was called The Second Edit because I thought that was oh. the second version. Sure. And it starts off with a graphic that says there are over 25,000 persons lost on the streets of Australia. This is what I remember. This, this is the Australian version. Yeah, I think um, they did ones for all kinds of markets around the world. Yeah, uh, missing people who were victims of the backpacker murders back in the 90s. Oh, Jesus. Isn't that the, isn't that the guy who Wolf Creek is based on? Maybe. Yeah, he like killed a bunch of campers and backpackers in, in the most horrible and brutal ways. Remember when like MTV showed music videos? <laughs> yeah. Remember music videos? Well, you remember how YouTube kind of took away the need for that? 
Yeah. But long before that, MTV had stopped showing music videos. Right. Right, right, right. Long okay, anyway. Before. This has been our entry into the discussion about <laughs> Leave No Trace, which is um, a film, notably, directed by Deborah Granick, written by Deborah Granick and Anne Rossellini. Uh, Deborah Granick uh, recently came to prominence as the auteur behind Winter's Bone. Yes, yes. Um, watching the career of Jennifer Lawrence and also being a respectable film in its own right. That is true. And also uh, a kind of a rural theme as well. Yeah. Like like a kind of uh, mountainous, uh, forested land. Sure. Uh, Leave No Trace features that great New Zealand actress that you mentioned, Thomas and Mackenzie, who gets top billing on IMDb. Yeah. And then as her father, it's Ben Foster, who's made some really good roles. The always impressive some... Ben Foster, yeah. He's, yeah, he's, he's done a lot of good carved out a very interesting career. Good indie work in a lot of films. Yeah. Uh like uh The Messenger. Did you see The Messenger? Uh the one with Woody Harrelson, yeah. Yeah, that was yeah. a good role. That for was him. his kind of big break. Yeah. Taking him seriously. Yeah. So the premise of this movie, it's about a father and his 13-year-old daughter who are living in a park in Portland, Oregon, in the woods. It's a vast park. It's, it's, uh, I haven't been to Portland, but I understand that there are these heavily wooded areas sure. that are within city limits. And so they're living there in the woods, and uh, as, a, as the film begins, they're just kind of going about their lives, uh, trying not to be noticed, trying to uh, you know, gather food, um, mm-hmm. prepare food, which mm-hmm. is of course one of our basic human necessities. Yeah. And, uh, then shortly after that happens, they get spotted and this kind of launches, uh, the events of the film where they are basically having to be thrust out of their surroundings and placed in the urban part of the city. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, I, I was kind of surprised at how swiftly they are placed in an actual domicile. Uh-huh. And this probably has something to do with the fact that Ben Foster's character is a veteran. Yeah. And uh, there's some, and the social services over there on the progressive part of the left coast in Portland, uh, do a good job about finding places for these people to live. Sure. And I was amused to see also that, uh, it's set in Portland and there's an actress who's been in several Portlandia sketches who plays <laughs> the woman who first interfaces with, uh, Thomason and tries to get them a place to live. Sure. So there's some local color there. Um, this is a solid film, man. Yeah. It's it's a sharply written film, sharply directed, just kind of adhering to the screenplay, yeah, and, and paying attention to the actors, paying close attention to Thomason, mm-hmm. in particular. Uh, I think this is one of those stories where you have a main character, but then you also have a character who 
is a major catalyst for what happens to the main character and, and really kind of helps them become who they are. Yeah. Uh, I think it's, I think it would be fair to classify this film as a character study Mm. of two characters, but it is Thomason's story at the end of the day, Tom's story. Uh, The actress's name is Thomason. The character's name is Tom. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, it, it is definitely her story, but it is also very much her father's story as well. And, uh, kind of how those two things both coexist and rub up against each other. Uh, I mean, that's really what provides the dramatic engine for the film is how these desires within each of them Mm -hmm. are both compatible and conflicting at the same time. And it's kind of, finding the balance of that that's kind of the journey of the movie and yeah uh and and that sounds really simple maybe if you're listening to that it's just a description of the action quote-unquote of the film but it was absolutely riveting (laughs) throughout i i found myself completely enthralled by this movie sure every second of it i was totally interested and invested in what was happening to these characters uh, I think it helps that you have two absolutely massively excellent performances right at the center. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also think it's because it's so well written and so so tenderly directed. And I don't say that trying to be dismissive about it. I'm trying to say that I think that Deborah Granick has such a tender touch. Yeah, as a director. Yeah, you, I mean, you could say that it has a documentary-like quality in the sense mm-hmm. that, like, it's not kind of overtly stylish or or uh, elaborate or kind of sure. anticipatory. You know, like, you know, like the anticipatory camera is the camera that leads the actors, but in this case, the camera seems to always be following the actors. Yeah, and just kind of a lot of it seems to be kind of unpretentious handheld work. And it, it, it's really about the story. Uh, it's it's about the characters, also about the setting very much. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. The 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 woods. It's amazing how they photograph these woods with absolutely no signifier of any civilization. Uh, yeah. Whenever whenever we see these like huge expansive images of 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 the trees with the, like the ferns and everything. Um, there's no hint of any kind of concrete or, or road or asphalt. No. And then when they make that transition into urban Portland, yeah, it's an amazing moment. I thought, because that's when we see both worlds together as they're coming out. And then after that, they're just in this urban world. And tell me, did it remind you of like a kind of inverse of room Ooh. by a 24. Uh, it, it did not, but now that you mention it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can, I can completely understand that. Um, I actually thought of a completely different film, uh, when you were describing that. And that is, uh, a film called the hurt locker. Oh, many Academy Awards. Wow. Directed by Catherine Bigelow. There's the the kind of vibrant uh, world of war 
that Jeremy Renner's character finds himself in. And mm-hmm. then when he returns to civilian life, it's drab, it's dreary, it's it's dull, it's boring. And so you have these visual cues that kind of draw this very stark par- parallel between these two worlds. And I feel like mm-hmm. Deborah Granick's doing something very similar in this film because when they do move into a, a house that is provided for them, it's sparsely decorated. The walls are white. It, it feels very claustrophobic. It feels very unlike the life that they had been living. And there's, it, it is largely due to her direction that we have this ebb and this flow. But it, at the same mm-hmm. time, the, the wild can also be dangerous and it can also be treacherous and it can also be frightening and threatening. Sure. So it's, 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 it's really wonderful to see those settings kind of reflected within the psyches of the two characters that yeah. are at the, at the center of the film. I think that Ben Foster is that kind of wilder uh, creature and Tom is the character that sort of craves order and societal contact and all of this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the dad, Ben Foster's character, yeah. um, Will, he, that's a good name, yeah. uh, Will <laughs> wants to remain in the woods. You know, he wants to, he wants to be a Will for the woods, which is a great documentary. I think <laughs> it takes place in Oregon. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he, he is holding her back and he loves her, of course, and he wants her to stay with him. But, He's a good enough dad to know that she needs to eventually grow up and leave home and leave him. And uh, this is a great story that I always love to see. Mm. And uh, while we're dropping the names of films, I am utterly ashamed that not only do I own this DVD and I have Filmstruck, I've never seen Late Spring by Yasujiro Ozu. Yeah, yeah. But that's another story that seems to be about a, a father-daughter who yep. have a close bond, but eventually they have to separate because because the daughter has to live her life, and the father knows that, uh, even though it's it hurts them both. Yeah, yeah, and it's and in, and in this in this film that the psychological tug of war between the two of them is so incredibly subtle and never with malice or hatred or anything. It's Mm -hmm. (laughs) this film is overflowing with love. I feel like, Mm -hmm. and it's also overflowing with difficult emotions and, and things that the characters are dealing with, uh, between each other and between them and the outside world. But it is, Every action that they take is out of love in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that um <laughs> I think Deborah Granick has a great facility for that. And I yeah, think yeah. without being stereotypical, I feel like a lot of women directors do. And yeah. that's not to say that women directors are solely interested in that. No. But um, you know, and I think now nowadays women directors are making more films, uh, whereas in the past we would say, 
women editors have a great sense of rhythm. Mm-hmm. And but now women writer directors are seem to be making their voices heard more, yeah. and obviously that's a great thing. Um, Agreed. Uh, and but yeah, but but this is yeah, it's a humanist story, but which is not to say that it's pedestrian. It's still a skillfully made film, and I, probably pretty personal. I'm guessing. Yeah. Um. Incidentally, uh, I want to I want to name the actress I mentioned, Dana Milliken, who sure. plays Jean. She's she's a great comic actress in Portlandia, but she does a great job in this kind of natural city official role too, yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think that I think that all the performances are strong. I think that uh, Deborah Granick has a great facility with actors. I think she's uh, Winter's Bone was a really excellent, if terrifying, film. <laughs> mm. uh, as you said, that put Jennifer Lawrence on the map, um, a young Jennifer Lawrence who really had probably to this day, in my opinion, one of her strongest performances in that film. Yeah. And I think that that's largely due to Deborah Granick being able to get that performance out of her. And I haven't seen any of... Deborah Granick's other films, but I'm eager to after having seen Winter's Bone and then this. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really, I'm really curious to see the other films. What else uh, that you know of that has she done? Uh, she has done a couple of things that were on IMDb. <laughs> Down to the Bone looks like one of her first films. Yeah, Stray Dog. Ooh, a documentary. Uh, yeah, yeah. Very curious to see those. That's interesting that, you know, I mentioned her, her documentary, like <laughs> style. There's that cinema verite approach. Uh, it looks like a lot of fun, mm-hmm. but, um, as I say, I have not seen those films, just winter's bone in this one and winter's bone was almost a decade ago at this point, you know, yikes. Uh, yeah, and so between Down to the Bone and Winter's Bone was six years. Between Winter's Bone and this film was eight years. She did do Stray Dog in between in 2014, mm-hmm. but she takes time with her projects. Uh, she picks well. She picks things that speak to her, things that she can handle and, and has facility with, um, things that are meaningful, and she cares about her characters. I mean, we've talked we've talked a lot on this podcast about very humanist directors, uh, you know, people, uh, people like Alexander Payne, uh, mm-hmm. who just, whether their characters are good or bad people, they invest love in them. Um, mm-hmm. with the possible exception of downsizing, which was <laughs> real low point. <laughs> but, oh, I heard, a I, I read an article where he, he basically did like a postmortem about why that film oh. failed. What and what was it? Was it that he got obsessed with the special effects and that kind of threw him off? Well, the thing that kind of stuck with me is he said that the story was just too big to cram in one film. And he he says that yeah. it could have lived as like a, a miniseries on Netflix. Yeah. It, there's just too much to explore. And um, it was just – it was maybe – a little forced or hurried. 
Well, I'm glad and, that he has that level of self-awareness because that is what it feels like. Because it feels like about halfway through the movie, it becomes a completely different movie. And I think it's because he felt the pressure to get in the important stuff that he wanted to get in and not just have it be like a silly comedy. And mm-hmm. so it, it it takes this hard left turn and you're, you're just like, what, 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 what is happening in this film? <laughs> uh, yeah. But that film notwithstanding and even in that film there's uh a humanist bent to it and i think that uh deborah gronick is showing herself to be in this very same tradition uh making really films that are very interested in human beings and what motivates them and what makes them make the decisions that they make and even if those decisions may be objectively or i guess subjectively bad decisions she delves deep into her characters to figure out why it's a decision that that character would make and why it's meaningful. And there's nothing in this film that doesn't make sense to me. You know, it's not, nothing happens for the benefit of the story. Nothing just inorganically springs up in order to move the plot along. It all feels very logical, very real. Yeah. It has a very natural quality to it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think that, these movies are kind of like the antidote to a lot of the just exact opposite of what's coming out in a lot of multiplexes. And I, uh, traditionally that's what the art house cinema has been. Sure. But I don't know. I think that that term art house cinema is not what it once was because I feel like, uh, while this movie is maybe stylistically, thematically, and emotionally the antidote to uh, Unfriended or whatever. Uh, <laughs> dark Web. You, you mean Unfriended dark, we- dark Web. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I got to get that right. Not the um, first Unfriended. Okay, we can all agree that that was not great. But Unfriended yeah. Dark Web on the other hand. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's, that's the Godfather 2 coming around the corner. <laughs> um yeah, but these movies are—they're playing in the same theaters. They're and uh, they're and and uh, plus, like, the internet is a is a voice now. I mean, I'm I'm an old footy duddy, <laughs> but the internet is almost equalizing all these movies. Um, yeah, and 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 how we hear about them, but uh, well, it's it's like we said a few weeks ago on the podcast. You know, there's this kind of lack of. Uh, shared cultural experience anymore and i'm desperate Um, for that man yeah me too and i feel like this movie i i I fear that this movie is going to fall through the cracks um and i fear that this is the kind of movie that people say to themselves oh i'll just watch it when it's on netflix i don't need to pay to see the theater um but this is exactly the kind of film that needs your money (laughs) Mm, yeah and it's a good experience it's just a oh it's a great experience it's just a positive experience to have in a theater and yeah, I mean it's a modest film. It's it's called Leave No Trace for God's sakes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not meant to have a big heavy footprint in no. the in the theater. No. But it does. It has an emotional footprint. Oh yeah, and a very, very indelible one. And I, I think that it is the kind of film that you benefit from seeing in that environment. Uh and yeah, it's a small film, but so often people equate small films with the small screen. You know, right. I I'll, I'll just watch that on Netflix or Hulu or 
Amazon when it comes around and that's fine. But you know, Hollywood only listens to box office receipts. Right. And but the thing is like, I mean, I think this movies like this are where the shared cultural experience happens. Sure. And it's just, it's just not with as many people as yeah. Jaws or whatever. Yeah. Um, to, to name a really old fuddy duddy example. I was going to say. Well, we were talking about 43 years old now. Recording. <laughs> yeah, but like, yeah, the people who, the, like the people, the the seven people or whomever in the theater with me when I saw Leave No Trace, like I did feel something palpable mm-hmm. when the credits finished rolling that there was an intimacy there, you know? Yeah, mine, and, mine was much that, more it, crowded than that, but it was still very, it still felt very intimate. Yeah, that intimacy is what Deborah Granick was after. I know it. I'm sure. It, I'm sure of it. And I think she's trying to keep it going, keep it alive in film yeah. because it's being attacked on all fronts. Yeah, short attention and, spans. Yeah, and Anger, uh, and re- reliance on computer technology or, or cutting corners. Get yeah. out of here with this computer BS. <laughs> I don't need it. Um. It's a and it's a fascinating little love letter to the city of Portland too. Sure, there are other movies like this. One of my favorite movies, and the best Portland movie I've ever seen, Ooh. is My Own Private Idaho. Oh yeah, um, that was a love letter to a Portland of the '90s, which I'm sure it's changed a lot since then. Yeah, but um, it's been what 25 years since that movie came out. Yeah, t- 27, 28. Yeah. Great performance by River Phoenix. Great performance and by Keanu I, Reeves. Yeah, I was going to say, perhaps one of the only ones. <laughs> yeah, the only genuinely interesting and different performances by Keanu Reeves. Yeah. I like that part when uh, they're sitting by the fire and, and River Phoenix is like, you know, I just wanted to have a normal life with a normal family, a dog. And Keanu Reeves is like, you didn't have a normal dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, I feel man. like I need uh, to go. I feel like I need to go rewatch uh, Running on Empty one of these days. Oh yes, that's a real tearjerker. Yeah, that's well, that, that's sort of that's got some spiritual, uh, spiritually neighbors this film. I feel like it's kind absolutely. of absolutely. It's kind of a similar kind of uh, vibe to it. Yeah, sure. Hippie the parents young person. who kind of want to want their children to grow up the way they did and their children kind of don't, don't want to do that. Yeah. They're brethren. They're the stories are connected. Definitely. Yeah. Well, leave no trace, I think is a, a wonderful film. Yeah. And it's a, it's a great way to spend an afternoon in the theater. Yeah. And I would recommend it to anybody. It's got a dazzling meta score. It does. Dazzling Rotten Tomatoes score. Is it still at 100% on Rotten Tomatoes? It was. Uh, they were advertising sure, it sure, as 100%. Sure it is. Um, I mean, it's like 88 on Metascore or Metacritic, which is about as high as you can get on Metacritic. Yeah, that's dynamite, man. Um, and I might visit the city of Portland for the first time later this year. So... Oh, very cool. It's talking about spirituality. Yeah. It I've, resonates uh, with me as well. I've never been. 
Yeah, I submitted something to their underground film festival. Very cool. Very, very cool. So I hope to keep Portland weird. <laughs> Wasn't that originally Austin's thing? Did Portland adopt that or did Austin adopt it from Portland? I think Portland adopted it from Austin. Keep Austin weird was that that goes back a long way. Probably. I don't know. Maybe they maybe it was concurrent. Who knows? Well, Austin has been weird for longer probably. <laughs> I think Portland is I think Portland is one of those cities that really became itself in the past 20 years. Maybe. Maybe. If I can be so bold as to make that statement. You can be as bold as you want to be. Because you know Portland is Portland was a a hot ticket as a as a place to live. I mean it was sure. it was really growing for for years recently. Yep. And and Austin Austin has been a major metropolitan area for a long time. Yep. But they're they're it's funny because they're both cities that I see myself possibly living in. <laughs> like that that Austin, Portland, and Chicago. Are the three American cities that I've never been to that I really want to visit? Chicago is one of my favorites. Sure. And many others. Yeah. It's a great town. Anyway. We digress. We digress. Um, Leave No Trace is worth your time and money. See it in the theater. I highly recommend it. Highly. So that's our episode about Deborah Granick's film, Leave No Trace, with Ben Foster and the startlingly good new coming yeah. actress, Thomas and McKenzie. Yeah. Um, stay tuned for our next episode. It's going to be another hot new film, indie film, from Boots Riley, who's been an artist in Oakland for years, and he's now branching out into film. I am going to see this film in Oakland. I'm so excited. It's exciting. It's very exciting. <laughs> is it opening weekend in Oakland or has it been out already? Uh, no, it's, it's, uh, I think it's been out for a week already. Cool. Cool. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to kind of take in the, the local experience. It should be fun. Yeah. So stay tuned for that episode. We'll catch you later.